You're listening to Manufacturing Ignition Hot Topics, bringing you right up to date on the latest trends and discussions within UK manufacturing. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your host, Terry Mallin. Welcome to this week's Hot Topic and we're going to discuss as a manufacturing leader what is the best way to adopt change within your manufacturing business and I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Solder from Leaning the Way today. I've been speaking with Ben for a couple of months uh, and Ben really is a true professional uh, within the manufacturing marketplace and to give you a bit of background, Ben's a change management lean and organisational development consultant. And as I mentioned, we have a huge amount of experience, strong experience within production management. And that's within a couple of blue chip organisations such as PepsiCo, Toyota and BAE. So really leading the way there. And with regards to some projects that Ben's been involved in, so he's led multiple lean transformation projects across a variety of industries. And that's from bespoke through to mass production. More importantly, and this is where I came across Ben, he was named the Lean Top 25 Practitioners across Europe in the Lean Management Journal the, and within the Manufacturer's Top 100 list as an inspiring leader within the manufacturing community. So all that being said, Ben, I'm delighted to have you on this week's Hot Topic. I feel you can add a lot of value of, to our listeners, so welcome. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for inviting me on to it. Pleasure. Do you justice there, Ben, with the intro? Yeah, I'm suitably embarrassed, and my uh, my crimson cheeks are going nicely with my ginger beard at the minute. So, uh, so thank you for the embarrassment. <laughs> okay, awesome. So we'll just we'll just jump straight in. So, why did you okay. become interested in a, in adoption of change? Yeah, it's something I'd always been interested in because it was so core to manufacturing and being a manufacturing leader. But it really kind of came to the fore a few years ago when I was asked to be the change lead on a big bang ERP implementation. So just kind of a little bit of a background on that. So five and a half thousand users went live same day at the same time, straight after Christmas. Uh, that was an interesting uh, period of time. We went live on time. We went live on budget. Uh, we didn't back out the system. We kept the factory going, which was a, um, an amazing feat, really. But it was also a hugely challenging time for me personally, challenged my thinking, challenged my ways of working. But I was really lucky coming out of it that I was given some some time uh, and an opportunity to really reflect on kind of what what had gone well and and what I needed to what we needed as an organisation to learn from that. While I was doing that sort of thinking about it, I thought actually I've been here before. You know, uh, going through places like Toyota, being lucky enough to be be a leader at Toyota and spending time there, starting to understand actually uh, what it was why why the adoption of change was so important. Because there's a load of people that talk about change and talk about go live, talk about the implementation, talk about the launch. But success isn't about how well you launch it. Success is about how well the change is adopted and how well it's taken on by the team and the people, not just around that pure launch and implementation sort of phase. Yeah, okay. So, 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 so what, do you, what do you actually mean by, so you mentioned how well changes are adopted and not taken on by the team. But what do you actually mean by that? Yeah, it's... Um, as close to my heart, living up in Cumbria as I do and, and looking out at an unusually sunny sky, I can see some of the fells in the distance, which is, which is lovely. But it does kind of make me think about when you go walking in the, in the fells, in, in the hills, as a lot of us do, 
and um, you go walking up there and you think you get into the summit of one of the hills and you get there and you suddenly realize it's a false summit physically when you get to that point you kind of your shoulders go down you you you, your whole demeanor changes you you want to take a break have a drink look at the scenery have something to eat you physically stop and have to take a break and and i suddenly realized that that's basically what go live was um or that that launch implementation yeah you kind of got to that peak and thought brilliant we're there and then suddenly realized that what you've just done is just get five and a half thousand people ready to use your new system and get all geared up for it and ready and raring. And they're now full of energy and starting to charge off ahead. And you're sat there absolutely shattered thinking, I've only just seen the, um, the summit in the distance and I thought this was it. So it, it, was, it was one of those magic moments you just suddenly realize actually how physically exhausted you are if you only think of the summit being go live if you don't start to think about what the real summit is because you've, you there's got to be value in reaching that that real summit um so you keep going so you don't just stop and think i can't carry on you've really got to understand what the the true end point of adoption is yeah 100 percent. i think we can all uh, relate to that as well you know when you've got your, your your eyes on the end goal and you reach that full summit and it could be the same with you know as, as we're mentioning here within a change environment it's making sure that people are all on board with knowing what the end goal is what do you see you know a, a part of you know you mentioned about value there you know it's, it's a it's a really used phase uh, in business today you know i'm interested to know what you actually mean by that People will, and change will be successful, and people will adopt the change if they understand value at three levels. The first thing we all need to understand is, what is the value of what we're doing in the overall scheme of things, to the overall organization? Why are we doing it? What is the value to the organization? The next thing we need to understand is, how is my contribution to that valuable? How am I actually adding to that overall value piece? How can I align what I do and, and attribute what I do to that overall goal? And then the final thing is on that is we all have to feel valued. You know, we do far better work if we feel valued and feel like we've actually here, uh, you know, we're actually wanted um, than, it, than if we're just ignored and, 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 and you know, overlooked. So there's that whole piece of there's got to be value in the, the overall piece. Your contribution has to be valuable to that. And you have to absolutely feel valued for what you do. And if you get all three of those, and you've got to get all three, you can't just do one or two, you've got to get all three, three of those, you really adopt change and you really get true adoption of change. And that's the real difference between thinking about change management, getting to go live, positioning it all, all the way through and getting people to really understand it and absorb okay, it. Okay, that's take good. On so, so putting all that together, because a big part of this is the people. Why would people yeah. be drawn to a change? It's a really cool paper done um, back in 2008. God, I do sound like a consultant there. That's shocking, isn't it? Um, but David Rock, a guy called David Rock, wrote a paper in 2008 called Scarf. And it's, it talks about how people are attracted towards a change or driven away from a change, depending on their scarf. So the S stands for certainty, uh, for status, sorry. The C stands for certainty. A for autonomy. R for relatedness. Yeah. And F for fairness. And... When we really started to think about that, uh, again, in the context of this ERP implementation, when I, when I was starting to kind of play with that, it's, it's an example that a lot of people get. There was one guy who was the expert user on the old system. Everyone went to this guy. Um, you know, you, you had a question about the old system. You didn't bother going anywhere else. You just went to this one guy. And uh, he was he, and he was a really good, he was a great guy, really great guy. Uh, could be a bit grumpy at times, but can't be all. And, um, uh, and 
I was involved in a conversation and we were talking about moving to the new system. One guy said, oh, well, we're just, we, we don't need to include him because it's, it's, um, he's only good for the old system. He's not good for the new system. I just sat there and went, wow, that's interesting, isn't it? So let's just kind of think about that individual. So as he stood there before the, the change, before the ERP implementation, before that change project, his status was high, not hierarchically in the organization, but his status was high because people went to see him. His certainty was high because he kind of knew where he sat in the scheme of things. He knew what his future looked like. He, he was comfortable with that. His autonomy was high because he was allowed to make decisions. He was allowed to, to kind of you know, really scope his own, his own future. His relatedness was good because people irrelevant of organizational hierarchy were coming to him. He was having great conversations. He was really relating well with other people. And his fairness, his, his whole value system was reflect, was, was, was positively stroked. You know, he felt everything was fair and it was, it was a good place to be. So all of a sudden this new system comes on. And if you don't include the guy in that, you, you sit there and think, well, how's his status going to be? All of a sudden he's, he's gone from being the guy everyone went to, to no one wants to talk to him. His certainty is absolutely wiped out. His autonomy is wiped out. His relatedness is wiped out. His fairness, unsurprisingly, is wiped out. Whereas if you include if, you know, as we did, we include that guy in the shaping of the future and you recognize him for what he is, which is bringing that, that huge knowledge of how the systems have worked before, what was really good, what wasn't so good, so what we can learn going forward. All of a sudden, you include him in that way. His status was maintained. It was still good. His certainty had gone down a bit in the short term, but he was starting to shape it and understand kind of what his future would look like. His autonomy remained to a level was affected but it still remained to a level he could still then start to get involved and feel like he could really start to shape what that looked like people were still talking to him his relatedness was still high and he felt that whatever the change had happened that fairness he was actually drawn towards it because he said i'm being treated right i'm being treated properly um, i'm being treated fairly so there's that whole piece and, and it's really important. I mean, I'm doing David Rock a real in, in, you know, disservice just talking about it like this. It's a fantastic paper, only about 10 pages long. So it's really useful to, to use. And it's a great model that we can share with, with loads of different people. And I've shared it with team leaders. I've shared it with, you know, with senior leaders and, and everyone really got it. Uh, and they like it because they can start to apply it and think about, so what does that look like for the people I'm trying to lead and trying to influence Interesting. as well? And a, and, a, and a big part of that is what you discussed is, you know, with David Rock is actually is, is, is starting to, you know, starting to think like your audience and actually who is it you're actually trying to approach. So um, exactly. how do you go about starting to think like I came across, my, my, my team and I came across a really interesting technique in a, a, a book called Game storming a playbook for innovators, rule breakers, and change makers. This guy called Dave Gray um, came up with this this um, tool technique called empathy mapping. What it does, and it's a great technique. I've used it in a whole host of different scenarios. Um, I'll, I'll use some examples later. But it gets you thinking, put yourself in the place of someone or a group of people, and going right. What would if I was in that place in that circumstance? What would I be thinking? What would I be seeing? What would I be hearing? What would I, I be saying? What would I be doing? And uh, here's the wild one. What would I be feeling? Um, I love doing that when I'm, uh, you know, I did it with a, um, in an engineering organization. He said feeling and everyone all got really kind of nervy about being talking about feelings. And then, and then they then proceeded to fill up the feeling out of the box of everything else and, and, and none of the other boxes. It's, it's fascinating. Um, but we, I used it in a, a really interesting one, really interesting case study. And there was a, an organization that were rolling out their corporate leadership behaviors 
And we've all been in large organisations where you get these, you look up and go, that's brilliant, put them in your bottom drawer and then get them out again at, um, at your end of year review or a, a, a job interview. So that you can say, yes, I demonstrate boundaryless behaviour. And how do you do that? And then you just reel off word for word what it says underneath it. And uh, so what we did was we actually got um, in a large organisation, we got rooms of uh, 90 people, uh, 9-0, and we had um, nine competencies, 10 tables. So literally every table had 10 people um, sat around talking about each of these competencies, just one, just one. And thinking about, so what would that competency mean if I was an employee in the future state? What would it mean if I was a first-line leader, senior leader, uh, you know, a, manage, a manager of managers and a senior leader? We started to, to, to build that up. And it's brilliant because it meant that you can have a, an apprentice sat next to a director and both of their viewpoints yeah, yeah. were equally valid. And it was brilliant because it started to, um, to kind of peel it back. And we started off with all employees and worked to, uh, in terms of the actual the exercise. We started off with all employees and mapped that. Then we went on to the first line leaders and so on. So if you do that, by completing it, you know what all employees, you put yourself in that place about, well, what would I as an employee be seeing and what would I be hearing? Because that tells you then what your leaders should be saying and doing to reflect that. And it, it does properly invert the pyramid. It changes the way people need to be thinking about how they're uh, working with their teams, how they're engaging with their people. So rather than just setting a direction saying, go forth, you really start to understand the end point and how you're affecting that. And we also um, banned the buzzword bingos that we all love, that I've probably used hundreds of in this, uh, in this chat already. But um, we, we, we called it pub language. You know, you wouldn't go down the pub and see your mates and say, guys, I've got a fantastic narrative I'd like to articulate to you tonight because um, they kick you out fairly quickly. Um, so you talk, say, guys, I've got a great story I'd like to tell you. And they're all, oh, great. Tell me, Bennett. Really interested. So why do we put a badge on around the necks and then start articulating narratives rather than telling people stories? Um, you know, we become someone different. So there's this whole piece around actually taking people through the journey is really important. And on that point, because um, I'm getting really excited as, as, as you're talking, Ben, I can understand the thought process, but probably one of the, one of the things that, you know, mm. some people might be sitting listening, might be thinking is, yeah, that all great sounds brilliant, but actually, you know, how do you take people through that journey? You know, how do you make it happen? Yeah, and, and you can get lost in the size and scale of the problem, and it's dead easy to get lost in the scale of the problem. So it's, it's all about having simple frameworks and models that you work with. Um, don't overcomplicate it. So simple things like build a change framework, talking about three phases, initiate, implement, sustain. How do you initiate the project, the change? How do you implement it? And then how do you sustain it? So you're, you're not just getting to the implementation point and, and getting to it as a full summit. You're thinking about what that sustaining piece is. And then you think about the journey that people are going on. You've got all these tools like Empathy Mapping and Scarf that I've talked about. But just simple sort of framework again, of when we're taking people through this journey, you've got to you take them through the, you communicate with them, then you educate them, then you train them, and then you support. And we often think of these as disparate things, but actually it's a, it's, it's a journey that people go through on that. So the first thing you need to do is talk to people, communicate what's going to happen, why is it going to be happening? Physically, why is it going to be happening? Back to the value piece I was talking about earlier. Then the educate is, right, so this is why we're doing it. This is how we're going to do it. This is how it's going to impact you so you can kind of get a feel of it. You then get the training, which is the click this, do this, you know, the physical hands-on task side of the activity. And then the last bit is the support. 
so that when you go out into the real world and you're applying what you've learned, you know, it's we've all been there where you've learned something, you go back to workplace and there's no way, you, there's no support for you, there's nothing's changed. And you're trying to, uh, you know, even with the best will in the world, you try and embed it and try and Im- implement it and you struggle. So it's that whole journey of communicating people the why, educating the people the how, training people in the what, and then supporting them to build that capability. And that really starts to, starts yeah, to help as you go through that. Sense. And is there anything else that you need to make this happen then? Because, uh, you know, that, 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 that's a good structure for people. But, you know, what do you see is the sort of success of this and, and what people would need to make it happen? Having all these frameworks is really cool, but, but the biggest failure... For, for most of these sort of projects and so on is a lack of role clarity and goal clarity of people actually understanding what their role is and what their role in the overall piece is and actually having that alignment back to that alignment of the, of the value and valuable piece. How is what I'm doing contributing to the overall good? And um, when there's successes, attributing those successes to the people that have done it, you know, uh, attributing action. So if someone says, I've got a great idea, what about this? And then we go and do it. You go back and tell them, your great idea resulted in us doing this. So we did a, a, a piece where we, we shared a rich picture. We were doing it with large groups. And the big thing we were trying to do was then, if they came up with a great idea, was attribute that idea back to the guys rather than taking the credit yourself, attribute it back. Hugely valuable for those guys as well. And, 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 and so on the, putting all your experience into context, because what we've went through, you know, we've got a good understanding, you know, what, to kind of summarise, we went through, you know, understand your audience, communicate, educate, train and support uh, through the through the journey and the adoption of change and the importance of, you know, clarifying each person's individual role and goal and, and make sure the project's all in alignment. From your experience, Ben, you know, yeah. what what's the biggest thing that you've learned from all, that, all of this? Really, fundamentally, it's think like you're the person that's going to be living in that new world you know, after the change, what would you want it to be like? Because um, if you can put yourself in that place and think about what you'd be thinking, what you'd be feeling, what you'd be doing, uh, what you'd be hearing and seeing, that really starts to shape, working backwards, that shapes what your change program should look like. So you talk in the words and the language of the people that are actually using it rather than getting focused, which is dead easy to do, rather than just getting focused on the on the project and, and hit the milestones and all that, because that's really important. But actually, if you do all that and no one adopts the change, then you've just spent a huge amount of time yeah. and effort and not got anywhere. So it's that piece around, think like the person that's living in that new world, put yourself in that place, use that sort of empathy mapping piece, really get under the skin of it, and then build your plan from there, work backwards from there and continually keep going back round. Don't just kind of think you've done it once. Keep going back round. It's amazing, back round, Ben, because when you're speaking, you know, you can actually, you know, taking business out of context, you could relate a lot of this into your personal life. So a lot of it comes across, you know, it can be common sense, but it's actually having the structure in place to actually implement it and the knowledge and support to, to see it through and actually make sure that we're reaching the end goal. My mind's blown, Ben. Absolutely blown. You've got me thinking about my own business, never mind uh, (laughs) uh, our listeners. Yeah, I was like, thank you very much for that time and knowledge that you've shared with us. Guys, if you are thinking about making changes or you are going through transformation, I'm sure after what you've heard, Ben's went through today. Ben is the man to reach out to for that. If you're looking for guidance or support, then uh, reach out to Ben at ben.leaningtheway at outlook.com or you can connect with 
with Ben directly on LinkedIn. Just search Ben Solder, uh, sorry, S-A-L-D-R. And Ben's reassured me there is only one one profile on there. Uh, there is only one Ben Solder, as we said, which is a football chat. And more importantly as well, if you are a senior business leader and you're looking for a coach mentor or you're looking for a coach or mentor for your senior leadership team, Ben can also help out with that as well. So uh, please do get in touch if that's something of interest. Ben, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.